Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Hi there, my name's Andy, one of the elders here at Westminster Chapel, and let me extend my greeting to you as well. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning for our service. Um, what you're about to hear is a reading from the Bible, from the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 11. And alongside this reading, you will see a cartoon. Now, I have a warning for you. This cartoon was created by me using very limited software, very limited talent, uh, pre-existing backgrounds and clothing and everything like that. And therefore, if you've got an eye for detail, you are probably going to be horrified because it is historically inaccurate in probably every way. Um, and therefore, I just ask you to extend a bit of grace because it's purely an illustrative tool to try and help us engage with the story visually as well as hearing it. Um, so extend some grace to me and enjoy this Bible reading now. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticised him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. What do you think these scattered disciples were thinking 
as they were walking sometimes up to over a hundred or seven hundred kilometers to Antioch and these various places where they have been scattered due to a sudden crisis. Their worlds have been turned upside down, their lives have been ruined, um, possibly their families, family members have died, their livelihoods have been ripped apart and almost disappeared due to this persecution that was going on. They've been scattered across the land. They have to find new homes. They have to rebuild from the bottom up. What do you think they were thinking as they were walking, as they were getting up in the morning? You can imagine they're asking big questions. Why, God, are you doing this? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why has this happened to me? Why did X member of my family get stoned to death? Or why did I lose all of my savings? I built up everything. Lord, what are you doing? How could this happen? And that kind of despair or doubt, confusion, lament is not discouraged in the Bible. It's actually part of a mature Christian walk. Right in the middle, right in the heart of the Bible is the book of Psalms and the book of Job and the book of Lamentations, which all encourage us or at least inform us, tell us what it is to genuinely lament to cry out to God in pain and agony in the middle of suffering. But throughout the Bible, there is also probably even deeper an underlying message, a, a tune, a sound, and it's the sound of hope. And for that reason, I think one of the things these believers learned was when you when it feels like you've got to the end of one story, when everything has been ruined almost it feels like the slate has been wiped clean you've lost everything it feels like it might be the end of the story and but instead of going into despair and thinking this is the end this is the end of my life i think the encouragement that we get from this is hey when everything gets turned upside down if you know god and you follow him this might be the beginning of a new story for you and a new story for others and I believe that's the encouragement that we can hear today. Because for these believers traveling around the world, their question when they got to Antioch changed from God, what are you doing? to God, what might you do now? When they got into this new place, into Antioch, they believed that good could come out of this situation. Now, that's not because they just had a philosophy of, hey, let's make the best out of a bad situation. No, it's because they had a philosophy of out of death comes resurrection. Remember why these people are fleeing in the first place. They're fleeing because a time earlier, probably many years earlier, they had followed a man called Jesus, a great prophet, a great Messiah. And they had seen him die on the cross and everything come to nothing, the end of the story. But then, on the third day, they had seen everything turn upside down. He walked out of the grave physically and they saw him, heard him, ate with him as he'd been resurrected. So they knew that this is how God works. He works through death and brings life. It's guaranteed for anyone who believes in Jesus that this is the message for the rest of their life and for eternity, through death into life. Resurrection always comes. 
And so when they got into Antioch, they weren't living in despair and sort of just looking down and thinking this is the end of life. No, they were starting to push on doors, knock on doors. They were starting to see what might God do now if we seek the blessing of God here. And that's the encouragement that I want to extend through this message. That's what I believe God is saying to us this Sunday. Is to seek the blessing of God wherever you are, in whatever situation you're in. And in order to do this, we've got quite a simple model that we've been using as a church. This model is inspired by um, the life of Jesus. It's anchored in the promises, the prophetic promises in the Old Testament to a man called Abraham. And it is modelled, it is based on, or uh, is sort of been created by churches in America that, that sort of put these things together and thought this might be a good way of impacting the world. And it has seen amazing impact, amazing fruit all around the world as people, believers, have been seeking to bless the world that they're in. It's very simple. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, share your story. It's the BLESS acronym. And what I'd like to do is just lay out how you might be able to consider those things in this time and as we move out of this crisis, but in new situations, how we might seek the blessing of God wherever we are. And so the first part of bless is begin with prayer. In verse 5, when Peter's starting to tell his story, he emphasises this at the beginning. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And my simple question is this. If Peter had not been praying, would God have sent another apostle to Cornelius? And I imagine the answer is yes, because God had already started the ball rolling. He'd already sent an angel to Cornelius who had already spoken to him, prepared the way almost. And so it just needed a messenger to be sent. And so my thought is, well, what would it have been if Peter had not been praying? What would Peter's life had looked like? And I imagine it would have looked quite normal. He would have carried on his day as normal. And then the second thing, if Peter had not prayed, how would he have responded when these people, these Gentiles, turned up at his door asking for him to come around for tea? I imagine he would have said, mm, no, I think you've got the wrong person. Try the more liberal people down the street. Uh, we don't really do that, Jews and Gentiles. Sorry. Um, sorry to have put you out, but probably head down there, ask someone else. And he would have missed out on this entire opportunity. And he would have carried on as normal. The question underlying all of this is, what's life like without God? What is our life like if we don't pray? And I think the scary answer is it is unusually normal. Things carry on as normal. It's not wildly bad often. It's not terrible in the moment. It's just normal life. And that would have been the reality for Peter had he not been praying. And I think that's the warning for us, but also the encouragement for us, is if we don't begin with prayer, we might never begin at all. But if we do begin with prayer, then it is likely that we will be caught up in God's incredible story that he's carving out and this amazing work that he's doing to bless this world. 
So will you begin with prayer? The second part of blessed is listen with care. My daughter often walks around this flat with various phones to her head, sort of speaking to herself. And it made me think, that's sometimes what we can be a bit like. Multiple voices going on, telling us things, often contradictory things, and voices coming from all over the place. And we're walking, trying to process all of these things. And I think Peter learned a vital lesson uh, in this whole episode, is he needs to be very careful, and I think we need to be very careful, to listen to God and not the other voices. Those other voices include probably his friends who wanted the best for him, his family who wanted him safe, even his critics, often those are the loudest voices, our critics or even our inner critic. But he also had to be careful not to listen to his own preconceptions, his own emotions, his own feelings or his own even rational thoughts, his own traditions, the things, the ways he's just grown up, that's what the world's like. All of these things would have caused him to not enter into this amazing story of blessing that God was planning. They would have held him back. Thankfully in this story, and I think he emphasises it over and over again, that he did listen to God. He realised that he was wrong in his thinking, his feelings and everything else, but God was speaking to him still. And if we take care, if we're careful to listen to God, then we will be able to see God's blessing occurring. And for me, I find this really difficult because maybe you read something when you're reading the Bible, you're, you're hearing God speak to you. Maybe there's a sort of prompting by the Holy Spirit to go and do something. Um, or perhaps there's a message on a Sunday that you hear uh, a word from God that you think, yes, God is speaking. But then very quickly, the phones start ringing, all the different devices start springing up and they're saying different things, contradictory things, trying to advise you to take this way or that way instead. And it all falls apart and you very easily forget what's been said, what God was saying, or, or you even start to disbelieve it. I think the encouragement here is to hold on, to find a way to listen, be very careful to listen to God. And then the second thing is be careful to listen in general. If there was anyone who had an excuse to just walk into Cornelius's house and start speaking, it was Peter. Peter had been with Jesus for all these years. He had seen the death of Jesus. He'd seen Jesus risen from the dead and ascend into heaven. He had seen the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost. He'd seen he'd been part of these and he'd also been appointed as the leader of this movement that Jesus had started. And Therefore, he had every reason to just speak when he got to Cornelius' house. But verse 13 is quite interesting. It says, but Peter says that he listened and Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. Now, it's probably not an overly profound thing to think, but it's quite helpful. Listening to others rather than just speaking, can make sharing the gospel a whole lot easier. Peter could have gone straight into his Pentecost sermon, hey, this one works, or another sermon that he's got in his mind, or just started to speak. And he could have got half an hour down the line and Cornelius sort of puts up his hand and says, can I say something? But instead, Peter starts by listening, it seems, and Cornelius tells him, hey, here's what God has been saying to me or doing in my life. And Peter's like, oh, hey, that's brilliant. 
Let's work with that. And he goes with that. He's already identified. He's heard what God has already been doing in this guy's life. He starts to speak to him in his context. And the Holy Spirit falls in an amazing way. Now, in our situations, it's not always going to be the case. But I think it's a very helpful principle to start with is start by listening to people and listening out for what God has already been doing in their lives. Listening out for amazing truths that they've perceived that actually couldn't have come from anywhere other than God. How God has been working in people that seems unexpected. They seem to not know anything of the Bible, perhaps, but God still works in their lives in different ways. And it could be really helpful for us to pick up on those things, highlight them, identify them, use those as springboards to talk about God or to bring in encouragement. So here now is an amazing story of both the first and the second part of Bless, begin with prayer, listen with care, came together in a small way, but it's the first fruits. It's an example of seeing God's blessing at work. Hi, church. Just want to tell you about a little incident that happened to me just um, at the start of lockdown. Um, I've got a neighbour that lives here and she's got a few mental health issues. She's a bit of a recluse and she's fallen out with most people in the uh, in the flats, which is quite a shame. Um, she lives in a basement flat, which is next door to the bike shed, and there's a gate that leads to them. Now, at the start of the lockdown, she threatened to uh, lock the gate. And in fact, I went out for my run on a Sunday morning, and when I ran past the gate, there was a great big padlock around it. Now, of course, I panicked, because I thought, I'm going to get my bicycle out. Uh, but I decided to I'd just, just go for your run. So I went for my run. And as I went for my run, I was praying. I was obviously, I was praying for her. I was praying for myself to calm down because I was a bit cross. And I was praying for the combination to the lock. <laughs> and I prayed and prayed for the combination to the lock. And as I ran back, I went up to the lock and I thought, as I fiddle with it, God will give me the combination to the lock. <laughs> but he didn't give me the combination to the lock. But as I was fiddling, she came out of her flat. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to get it now. She's going to really, really have a go at me for fiddling with her lock. Uh, but she didn't have a go at me. She just started talking and she started talking quite normally. And she was just telling me how petrified she was uh, of the COVID virus and how, you know, everybody kept coming in and out of her gate. And uh, every time they came in and out of the gate, she was cleaning it and everything, you know, but she was really, really frightened of the COVID virus. And as I listened, she stepped forward and she undid the lock. And I suddenly realised the combination to the lock was love through listening and that was the answer to my prayer. Imagine that the owner of a major airline decides to upgrade their entire fleet during lockdown. Every plane now has become fully first class. There's no separation of different uh, different sort of sections. It's all first class standard. When you get to the um, airport, Everything is first class. You get all of the privileges. You get all of the special treatment. He announces this at a big press release. And then everyone's waiting for how much is this going to cost? And he says, well, whatever the flight, we will price match the cheapest airline out there. Now, you can imagine thousands upon thousands upon thousands of bookings that day and that night of people saying, what an incredible offer. But if you're a cynic like me, you can also imagine thousands upon thousands of complaints from the gold guest passengers, the frequent flyers, the people who've built up all of these air miles over the years and believe that actually we deserve a bit more of a privilege. How can you suddenly extend this thing that was just for us to everyone else now? 
that's not fair. So they start sending their complaints to the CEO and the managers and people like that. But the owner hears about this and that night he phones up the CEO and says, make an announcement that tomorrow morning I'm going to be on the tarmac at Heathrow and I am going to meet everyone getting on my planes and shake their hand. And my handshake is a sign that they are welcome on board my fleet. It is far more valuable than the gold card, which is now redundant. My handshake is a sign that everyone is welcome on board these planes. It is a sign of the promise that I made a few days ago that this is for everyone. Now, Peter was a Jew. You probably know that. Thousands of years before Peter, Abraham was given a promise. It was a promise, a God-sized promise of a world-sized inheritance. God said to Abraham, your offspring, who became the Jews, your offspring, the generations after you, will inherit the world. I promise to bless you and through them there'll be a blessing to the whole world. And they will experience being able to rule over the whole world like humanity was meant to do in the first place. And so the Jews have been part of this amazing club. And the club, the sign of being in the club, the gold card, was circumcision. And that was a sign that you were part of God's incredible plan. Now, Peter, this Jew, who was now had kind of been appointed by Jesus as the leader of his people, of God's people at this time, was going to the house of the riffraff, the unclean, the people who were outside of this privileged family, who didn't have the pedigree of the Jews, and he was sitting down to eat with them. Now, sitting down to eat with them in that day, often like cultures nowadays, was a sign of invitation, a sign of blessing. It was saying, hey, you're welcome into the kingdom. He was saying to Cornelius, hey, no matter what you've done, you're welcome into God's kingdom now. And the Jews, unsurprisingly, were thinking that this was cheapening the blessing. This was making it all a bit too normal. It was, it was meant to be held up with great honour, great prestige, but now he was undermining the, the value of God's blessing just giving it to people who haven't done anything. They haven't got any air miles under their belts to uh, deserve this kind of privilege. That's why Peter has to emphasise one important fact in verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, Cornelius and his household, just as he had on us at the beginning, at Pentecost. It's a crude way of saying it, but the Holy Spirit is the handshake from God. He is the sign that anyone is welcome into God's family. He is the guarantee. He supersedes circumcision by a mile, by a hundred miles, a thousand miles. Circumcision now it was redundant because the Holy Spirit was the upgrade, was the sign that God had accepted someone into his family, into his kingdom, into his house, saying, come in, be it, make yourself at home. This is yours just as much as it is anyone else's. He has extended this invitation to the whole world. This is the blessing of God. Now, something I noticed, and it's not overly profound, most of my reflections aren't, but is that 
Peter extended this invitation before there were any signs of conversion. He didn't wait for Cornelius to sort of show that he was uh, the right kind of person and then he sat down to eat with Cornelius. No, he sat down to eat as a sign of saying, hey, you're welcome in. He was hoping, I guess, preempting, praying that Cornelius would respond, but there weren't any signs, immediate signs of conversion. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, for me, it's a challenge. I will sometimes, if I go into a new scenario where I'm going to meet new people, I'll have good intentions of taking the blessing of God or, or sharing the blessing of God if I can in that situation. I'll begin with prayer. I'll have a good intention of listening with care and getting to know people. But then when I get there, sometimes this has been the case. I meet a Christian on the first day and suddenly all of my good intentions disappear because I spend all of my time with that person because I share so much in common and we can talk about our faith and there won't be any pushback. Um, and the invitation that was meant to be extended, arms wide open, now starts to close and close and I forget that one of the main reasons I'm there is to offer the blessing of God and to spend time with others and to invite them into God's kingdom. And I think for me, this has been a reminder, come on, wherever you are, have the intention of eating with people or the underlying principle when you can't eat with people. Invite them into your life, invite them into what God's doing, invite them into kingdom activities and see what God might do. The fourth part of bless is serve with love. Now, if you carry on in the story of Acts chapter 11, you discover something amazing going on a year later. Now, in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples, those in Antioch, determined every one according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea down in the south, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, I just want to observe that this is only about a year later. Remember, these people have been scattered across the world by a great persecution. They've had their savings destroyed. They've had their livelihoods ruined. They are lacking in all manner of different ways. And a year is not a long time to rebuild your whole life, to get back on your feet kind of thing. And yet we see these people are so marked and changed by the grace of God and the blessing that they've experienced from God that even in their crisis, and maybe this famine is going to hit them in some way, yet they are looking for opportunities to serve the needs of others, to look after others, to send money, to send provisions to give what they can. They're taking the initiative. They're take, it's, it's not forced on them. They're, they're saying, hey, how can we help in this situation? They're always looking for that opportunity to serve with love. We've had some amazing people in this period of time, not just looking after themselves, although that is important, but also taking the opportunity saying, hey, how could I look after others? How could I serve others in this period of time? One of those amongst many is Naomi, who's been helping our food bank. So I've been calling food bank clients to arrange for um, deliveries of food parcels to them. And during this time, I've had the privilege to speak to many of them about how they're getting on and also to pray for some of them as well. 
So I've prayed for um, healing for those who are suffering from COVID-19. Clients have also um, requested prayer for God's protection for them and their families, for God's provision and also for God's peace during this time. Uh, many of the clients have expressed their gratitude for the help that they're receiving, with some of them saying that um, they would like to donate to Food Bank once all of this is over so that they can help others too. So please, please pray, um, continue to pray for these clients, uh, particularly for God's protection, provision and peace, and that we would be able to um, continue to provide for them and talk with them and pray with them. Thank you. The final and essential part of BLESS is share your story. Did you notice that the angel didn't preach the gospel to Cornelius? Peter had to do it. Did you notice that the Holy Spirit only came after Peter had started speaking about Jesus? Did you notice that the hand of God didn't move upon people upon, until the, uh, those believers, those scattered believers, started to speak about Jesus? And did you notice that the scattered believers, these unnamed believers, you and me, didn't call in the professional preacher? but they took the opportunity and they shared the gospel. The challenge for us is we have to share the gospel. It's our job. It's been given to us to do. The encouragement is we can do it. We can share our story. We can share the story of Jesus. Just a few weeks ago at Easter time, many people got out their phones or whatever they used and filmed less than a minute version of their story. It was called hashtag surprised by Jesus, how Jesus had changed their lives. One of those stories is Craig's. The Bible talks about people who are in the world, but who are without hope and without God. This at one time described my life. I felt hopeless. I felt dead spiritually and like a dead man walking. This was until I heard the good news of Jesus. I learned that he had died on the cross to take my guilt, my shame, my sin upon himself, to shed his blood so that I might be forgiven. He rose from the dead so that I might have a relationship with God and to have a brand new life. Accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour has completely transformed my life. I've gone from hopelessness to hope, from death to life, from feeling completely guilty to totally forgiven. Jesus has completely surprised me and um, he can do so much for you as well. Here is a cheesy but hopefully memorable final reflection or thought. My story can either be shaped by history or his story. I can carry on with life as if things have just happened, as if this is just the way things are, in a deterministic, fatalistic kind of way. There's no, more, no rhyme or reason to this, there's no meaning or purpose other than what I just give it in order to make myself feel better. Or I can open up myself to the idea that God might be shaping the story. 
and that God might be inviting me into that story, the blessing story of God that's been going on for millennia. Peter and these unnamed disciples open themselves up to God's story, God's way of doing things, and they were radically changed. They had incredible opportunities. They were radically reshaped by God and their stories were changed. But in the process, they shaped, they changed the course of history. We wouldn't be here if this event hadn't happened. This was the moment when the blessing of God, the blessing that had been promised to Abraham, started to go from the Jews to the rest of the world. And we are living in the benefit of that. Now, I wonder what God might do through us if we open ourselves to his story and see what he might do as we seek his blessing wherever we are in our lives at the moment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that your intention is to invite all people into your son's kingdom where there is blessing beyond our wildest imaginations. There is eternal life. There is peace. There is calm. There is a new heaven and new earth where there is no sickness and no disease, where everyone lives in freedom and everyone is exalted and honoured and lifted up and transformed and glorified in incredible ways, all because of what your son has done for us. Lord, help us to live in the benefit of that and help us now to seek you, to look to you, and see what you might do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.